Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. glad to be back in the building. It's pretty fun. Did anybody miss last Sunday and this is your first Sunday back in the building with us? Well, welcome. You like the air conditioning, a little bit of fresh air inside here. It was starting to get warm out there, but I really felt, I genuinely felt the Lord was so with us. You remember when that cold snap hit and the entire nation was like negative two, negative 75 in New York or whatever, you know, and then Florida was 70 degrees. And I was like, we're in a tent, and this hits the nation, and God's like, no, I got my thumb over Florida. I'll keep you warm. I really felt it was like personally for us. I was like, Jesus, you're so good to us. Because who would have been like, if it was negative, you know, two in Florida, you ain't sitting under no tent. Tell the truth. You're like, I love the Lord. I love the fire. But right now, Pastor Caleb, I'm going to feel the fire at home. We actually, in the install, we put, we're, well, they're putting in the rest of the ductwork, but we actually put heat on this side because we used to get a couple cold fronts and we have no heat in the building. And if it's 55 in the building, it's the funniest thing to watch. People in like blankets and, you know, and like you shout and you feel like it goes nowhere. Jesus! And they're like, <laughs> like if you shout back, you'll warm up. <laughs> Ushers pass out the hot chocolate. It dropped below 70 degrees outside. All right. But uh, I'm going to give a message that I've, uh, it's just a standalone message, not a series we're beginning. Um, but as we've grown, we've, we've just celebrated the faithfulness of God for six years. I can tell you, in six years, I have grown a lot. And uh, not like where every day I can chart growth, but I can look back and think, man, the Lord has really continued to just be faithful, to stretch me and help me grow. And who can chart growth in your own life? Amen. So, I'm so grateful to the Lord. Number one, that he deals with you exactly as you are right now. That you can do things for the kingdom of God as you are. And five years from now, you'll look back at present you and think, I was so immature. But God still used you. Because God uses flawed people. Amen. So the main thing, just keep your heart pure. What you know, you know. What you don't know, you don't know. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Live every day doing what he tells you to do. And you'll chart back and look back and be grateful for where God has brought you. And not look back and regret what you once were like. Amen? Amen. God is a good God. Say good. good. So the title of my message today is called Growing Pains. We're growing. As you grow, things manifest. Attitudes change. People get upset. This person's mad at that. This person, and I'm not trying to pick on anything. Let me tell you before I begin. I think the world of the people of this church, you guys are absolutely incredible. I think we're the greatest church in America. I mean, I'll just tell it. I may be biased, but I think we're the greatest church in America. We have it all. We have humor. We have, you know, long worship, incredible anointing. We have great pastors on staff. We have all of you guys that look amazing. We have crazy mosaic carpet. I mean, what, what could we possibly need? Nothing. We're blessed. Amen? 
We are, we are very blessed, and it's such a great church, and I do feel the atmosphere is so loving here, and people regularly say this. So before I get anywhere, I just want to instill this. People regularly say when they come to this church that they feel the genuine love of God for their lives. Occasionally, we hear people say, no one greeted us, no one made us feel welcome, and so some, some people slip through the cracks. If you see someone standing in the corner having a pity party, go up and hug them. <laughs> Tell them you love them. Amen? Make them feel welcome. I mean, because you are welcome here. So I want to begin with Luke chapter 5, 31 through 32. This is Jesus speaking. And he's talking about the kingdom of God, which genuinely we are the embassy of the kingdom of God. That's what a church is. It is not a building. It is not a group of people. It is the embassy for the kingdom of God to operate on this earth. Jesus answered them and said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Right? I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Number one, you'll never change your life until you realize you need help changing your life from the Lord. But on top of that, churches are places where screwed up people can come. Amen. That's why we didn't kick you out. <laughs> I had to go there. No, I mean, nobody here is perfect. We are actually all flawed people. I mean, think about the Lord having to build his kingdom and use us. <laughs> you know he's patient. You know he's kind. And you know why it's so many generations since Jesus that we're still waiting on him to return. Because he's like, it's taking a little bit longer <laughs> than it should take. Amen. Churches where broken people come to heal. They've been hurt. They're sick in their bodies. They're sick in their spirits or in their souls. They're sad. They're lonely. They're depressed. They're bound up in areas and they're seeking freedom and they come to church. And so when you look around here as we grow, more and more people come in that maybe are not at the spiritual level that you're at. Think about the dynamic of church alone. How do you have a meeting that ministers to people that have been saved for 40 years and are living a free life, passionately in love with Jesus, and a person that walked in that Sunday for the first time, how can you collectively minister to people? That's why I always say you have to have the Holy Spirit. Do not drive the Holy Spirit out. He is the only one that can do that. No studying, no great message can influence everybody's life. Only the Holy Spirit can influence people's lives in that wide array. And that's what church is. It's a collection of people of all different walks, all different maturity levels, deciding that we're going to pursue Jesus and let him change our lives. Amen? Amen. As we grow, things rear their heads. Things begin to happen. This person said that. This person did this to me. This person, people get upset. You know why? Because, number one, people don't actually really like change. How many people in here are like, when I was young, I was excited about new cell phones. At this age, bro, I will keep the same phone till it is literally falling apart, screen is broken, things are sticking out the side because I don't want to change. Every time you give me a new one, I'm like, great, they took the button away? I'm of the button generation, okay? We understand buttons. You click them, there's a feeling involved. This is just your flopping screens. You look at little kids. And I'm like, yeah, call Honey Bunny. That's what my wife said to her on my phone. 
I'll be like, call Kirsten. There is no curse. Oh, sorry. Honey Bunny. Call Honey Bunny. Honey Bunny. <laughs> Calling Honey Bunny. <laughs> I used to have her under wifey poo, and then I felt convicted because I made my wife's last name poo. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm a, I'm a man of God. I will not speak that over my wife. She's my Honey Bunny. She's my cupcake. She's my girl. Should I tell them what I'm saved under on your phone? Hunky, hunky muffin. You know what I'm saying? Is it blueberry, white chocolate flavored? I don't know, but it's hunky muffin. I'll be your hunky muffin any day, babe. Aw. We're both pastries. What? You're a honey bunny. That's a, that's a pastry. Oh, a honey bun. Okay, you're a honey bunny. Okay, okay. Guys, get back to the message here. Wait. Squirrel, you guys are all over the place. Unbelievable. We're, I'm up here preaching the word of God, and you're talking about pastries. Unbelievable. As I said, as we grow, problems rear their heads. Some people are more mature than others. <laughs> Where's Pastor Mark? Maybe he should be the one giving this message right now. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> it gets funnier because your mind's telling you it's not that funny. Why are you laughing? And then you can't stop and you're like, pull yourself together. Serious moment, guys. Come on. <laughs> Church is not a perfect place. <laughs> it's, a <laughs> it's a place of healing. And on that note, the Bible does say, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Oh, man. Whether, whether the church is big or small, it, whether, whether, whether the church is big or small in numbers, the people around you should have a big place in your hearts. Amen? It's important to understand that we are not just a collection of people, but we are supposed to be a family. Family sticks together. Family cares for one another. Family supports one another. Family prays for one another. And I said this in the first service, you know, as we've grown, it's impossible for me to keep up with everybody. And that's a good thing. You know, it's not like you don't all everybody want one person. But there's people that the Lord lays on my heart that I carry in my heart. I really genuinely think about them regularly. John Beerbaum's like waving his hand like he's one of them. <laughs> You're one of them, John. 
And I do. It's like I think about you. I think about, you know, your family. I pray for you. And it's from a genuine, just the Lord brings you in my mind. I carry you in my heart. And I, and I asked the first service, but let me ask this service. How many of you guys here that you've been a part of the river for a while, there's people in this church that you carry in your heart that you think about and you pray for them? Raise your hands. Look at this. See, this is the beauty of what church is, that you belong to family. And God covers every single person here through that, not through a program of works, but through true compassion. He puts people in your heart and you carry them there, and then praying for them and thinking of them and speaking things over them and greeting them comes from this genuine place of absolute love, not a place of, did we do this, check these things off. God is not a God of checklists. He's a God of genuine things, genuine love, genuine encounters, and he puts people in your heart and in your life that you carry with you. Think about Paul and Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, before God, I pray for you regularly as Paul was in prison because he held Timothy in his heart. He loved Timothy. He thought about Timothy. As Timothy was out ministering and he's in prison, Paul's not sitting there having a pity party, I'm in prison. He's there praying to the Lord on Timothy's behalf, writing some of the most empowering letters the church has today. He didn't get in a negative mindset. In prison, he wrote words about freedom, deliverance, and fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Thank God for people like that in our lives, that even if they're going through it, they're still praying on your behalf for you to break through. That is a healthy church. That is what we want to be like here so that everybody here gets covered in prayer through the covering of the anointing and the presence of the Lord and a genuine love for every single person. Amen? Amen. Revelations 2, 2 through 5. It says, I know all the things you do. Now, this is Jesus speaking. It's in red in Bibles that put Jesus' words in red. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. As we've grown as a church, before I get any further, you have to realize the Bible actually says that there's tares among the wheats that will grow up among them. And it uses the terminology that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. One of the toughest things we've had to learn as we grow in the leadership of this church is not everybody here should be here. That's weird, isn't it? But there are people that come to church that they're not pursuing God. They don't care about the Lord. They come to manipulate people, steal money. People come into churches and steal money regularly. They come up with Ponzi schemes, rip it from the people. There's people that come in with ulterior motives. There's people that come in looking to divide households. Like we, draw, we do our best, and your job is not to try and judge people. But there are things that come to light. And after a few times, you begin to realize this person here is actually trying to cost division or calamity. And we have to tell them there's another place for you going down the road. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> we bless you out of this place because we're guarding the sheep. Amen? You got to protect people. That's what he's talking about here. You don't tolerate evil. This is something that the Bible says is good. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. You've discovered that they are liars. You've patiently suffered with me without quitting. Praise God for that. We're not a house of quitters. But I have this complaint against you. Uh-oh. Anytime Jesus gives you a but, you better stop and listen. He says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. 
In other words, God's like saying, if you don't get love right, you might as well write Ichabod on the door because my glory has departed and I'm not there. We have got to love God first and foremost. Be passionately in love with Jesus. If there's anything I try to embody, it's a passion for the Lord. I grew up in a lot of churches. I saw a lot of leaders. They don't worship the Lord in front of the church. They don't, they're always looking. And, and I understand they're, they're trying to, you know, war in the spirit or whatever. But me, during worship, I'm there. My eyes closed. My hands raised. I'm pressing into God. Why? Because I've show? No, because I want Jesus to feel like he is glorified. And so I, I pour it out like a drink up, like... And you know, to do that, as I started pastoring, you felt a weirdness. You actually have to push past the weirdness of what are people thinking about me right now to say, you know what, I, I can't control their thoughts. Praise the Lord, you're not responsible for everybody's thoughts. You think what you're going to think. I know what I'm doing. I'm worshiping the Lord. This place has got to be a place where we are passionately in love with Jesus. Amen? Just poof. He's our everything, our all in all. If he ain't there, I don't want to be there. He's the only one. And then from that genuine love of God comes a real love for each other. Not the fake worldly love. Not that we like you as long as you are at our level. But if the Lord blesses you beyond our level, then we're jealous of you type love. Huh? That's what, that's what plagues people. It's all competition-minded, jealousy critical of each other, hold a person back so that I can shine a little brighter. If you have to hold someone back to shine, then you're not connected to the source. you got to get reconnected because the power to shine comes from above. That's good. Somebody ought to tweet that. I mean, I tell you right, dropping bombs up in here. No. Seriously, though, as we grow, the Bible, Jesus says, man, you do a lot of things right. And a lot of people start out right, but along the way, subtle differences and subtle changes and, and compromise here and there makes these things fall away to where programs replace relationship. And as you big grow, as you grow with, with the Lord, grows us larger and larger and larger, we've got to get this right, that we're a place that loves God. His presence is the first thing, even over running a camera. If the presence of the Lord is there and you're, you feel the glory of God and you feel like God wants you to dance, drop the camera and dance. Well, set the camera nicely down because they're expensive. My wife's been in too many revival meetings. She's like, no, some people do that and then it's like $6,000. Like, I hope that praise break was worth it, brother. No, truly. And then love one another with a genuine love. That's one of the most precious things to me about when the presence of God comes in. People are like, it's, it's messy. Some people think that are not accustomed to revival where people run and people fall and people cry and people jump. And they're like, what is going on right now? There's many things going on right now. It is not up to you to personally know everything God is doing. Stay out of people's business. Amen. Stop trying to figure out what he's got to get right in them because then you don't realize what he's trying to do in you. Just work on you. And if they work on them, then together we're going to be better. Amen. But when it happens, afterwards, there's such a, just, a, just a blanket of love is how I describe it. Where it's like, you don't even know people. And you're like, I love you, man. 
like a total stranger. And the next thing you know, you got your arm around him. Y'all are like crying, singing a song you make up on the spot. For he's a jolly good fella. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? That is the love of God. It is not fake. It doesn't actually, it loves regardless of every motive of your heart. It is the most pure dynamic force that can be relate, released through the church is the love of God. That when you tap into that love and that love is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, the Bible says, flows from you, it literally changes lives. So that's what he says. I have this against you. You lost your love for me. And when you lose your love for Jesus, you begin to lose your love for each other. And then it becomes, what did this person say? What is this person doing? And your mind gets bombarded with thoughts that you don't even need. You just need the love of God on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. We can have successful music programs, great event coordination, excellent buildings, and, and wonderful graphics. But at the core of it, if we don't love God and we don't love each other, then we are just a clanging symbol, just a community club, just a bunch of people shouting, not even in unison. Because the only thing that unifies is the Spirit of God. When you have love in your heart for someone, you will go out of your way to help them, and it will not be a drain upon you. You want to do these things. Amen? Are you with me so far? We're talking about as we grow as a church. We've made room. Look at, look at the room. I mean, there's really not even that many chairs available right now. God will continue to grow the church because we let God take the reins of this place. Unless He builds the church, we labor in vain. It's fruitless. But as we build, as he builds the church, we've got to focus on building ourselves. Amen. Let's say 10,000 people are here and this is the core group of the church. Do you have what it takes on the inside of you to disciple 9,000 people? And the only way we get there is when we allow the Lord to continue to work in us so that we grow and we mature and we be the people that God has called us to be to where it's genuine and it's not fake. I don't want fake. I want genuine love of God in the place. Amen? Amen? I love you from the bottom of my heart. And I do want you to know that. My wife and I think the world of this church. We genuinely do. I do not go to sleep thinking, man, this church is just a bucking bronco, bunch of wild. I, I literally care. It's like, this is such an oasis of God's presence. So I think so highly of people that are here. I pray that you continue to think highly of everybody that in the church too. Let's carry each other. And believe the best. Amen. Amen. Matthew 20, 24 through 28 says, When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked. Now what did James and John ask? They asked, Can we be the one seated at the right hand of Jesus when he goes to heaven and steps into authority? So what are they actually asking for? They're asking for titles and influence. Let me tell you something. If I brought you before the church... And put a ring on your finger with 18 carats of diamonds, threw a robe on your back, and gave you the title Grand Supreme Ruler of the River. You don't have, that's what, you want that? Kiss the ring. You actually don't have any authority over anybody, even though you have a title. Because if you want authority or you want to influence someone's life, you first have to show them you care. A title does not open someone's heart. It's not like, oh, you're the past. Then you're the great supreme ruler of the river. Oh, I bow before you. You have to care about someone. You want to be able to influence a life, show them that you care. 
And then you begin to influence your life. And that's the kingdom of God. I realize this. Authority comes from God, the Bible says. God is the only one that gives authority. Thank God for that. Because what it is, is it protects things from being impure. You want authority? You have to get it from God. And you cannot go to God fake and Him be duped into giving you something you don't have. So when true authority is in place, there's a willingness to follow. You want to be behind this person because you trust them, because you trust their motives, because you've seen their fruit. We're supposed to be in the fruit inspection business. Inspecting our fruit and inspecting the fruit of the house that we're in. Is it producing genuine fruit for the Lord? Amen. And so Jesus called them together. They were indignant. Jesus called them together and said, You know what? that the rulers of this world lorded over the people, and their officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Let's say that out loud. Say, Among us it will be different. One more time. Among us. It will be different. So what does that mean? It means what Jesus says, that no matter if we are pastors, we are serve team leaders, we are members of the church, we are visitors, we are here to serve one another. Jesus is saying this because he wants you to grab that the kingdom of God does not operate like the kingdom of men. The kingdom of men is a power struggle kingdom. Survival of the fittest. Who can outwit, outplay, outdominate the next person to rise to the top? The kingdom of heaven is in reverse, where Jesus had already dominated everything, but humbled himself to become a man, put himself through abuse and torture so that he could serve broken mankind. And through that, he, deemed, he is deemed Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Because the greatest in the kingdom is the one that is willing to serve. Well, that's good, isn't it? You want to be great in the eyes of the Lord, find a need and fill that need. Minister to a person, pour out your life, be willing to serve. There are people that come to church and it's like they won't lift a finger to help anything out. I don't understand that capacity. I still carry tables. I'll still carry chairs. As long as there's breath in my body, I will serve the body of Christ. I tell people this. I really genuinely believe the Lord made me a pastor because he realized He's always going to be there, and he's always going to be pouring out. Any church we joined, we'd, we'd do whatever. My wife would be on the worship team. I'd be ushers, security, anything. Because my heart is, what can I do to build the body of Christ? Amen? Amen? So it will be different among us. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Is that kid okay over there? Fire! Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. As things grow, there's a coin phrase that I've heard in the ministry called, new level, new devil. It's not, to, it's not to highlight the enemy. It's to show you that as you grow, you will meet resistance. In fact, resistance is necessary for growth. You have to be resist. You have to face resistance because otherwise you're not breaking into new territory. But when you break into new territory, you're going to meet levels of resistance along the way. As we've grown and continue to grow, there's levels of resistance that we will face as a church. And one of the number one things the enemy loves to do is bring division within the body of Christ. Divisive spirits run rampant if they go unchecked. How do you know you're building a divisive spirit? It's when everything is about you and you're not willing to do something for other people, you have to question what's going on on the inside of you. Why is it all about you all the time? Amen? Amen? And so when these things come in, 
the way it rears its head sometimes is power struggles for positions in the body of Christ. People that try and up each other and dominate each other, all trying to get a level of authority inside the body of Christ. In Fast Track, our new members class, we have had people interrupt the Fast Track and say they are an apostle and that they, are, they should be given the microphone to speak every single Sunday. You're a new member in the church. You have no relationship with anybody here. And you're coming in with that. People literally buy into the lies of the enemy in that. And let, let me just tell you, you may actually be called to be an apostle. And you may have a word from the Lord. But you're never going to have a platform if you don't let the Lord break that pride and arrogance out. And be willing to submit yourself. Because submit the only the, God can only use you at the level of which you're willing to submit yourself. You have to be submitted to God. And the order that the Lord puts in place. Amen divisiveness in the body of Christ where people are power struggling for positions rips apart the purity of the thing. The Bible uses the term that the, the church is like a body, that there's a hand, there's feet and all of this. Imagine if your foot was warring with your hand all the time trying to be a hand. You Number one, you wouldn't even be able to walk very well. It would be obvious to everybody else too as your foot's fighting your hand and you're like, hey man, I'm doing good today. These things, go, these things go on in church. People are like fighting and biting one another. And you're like, everybody can see it. Okay, chill out. You're a foot. Be a foot. If the Lord supernaturally changes you from a foot to a hand, we will all know that you have become a hand. Never have I looked at my foot and thought that would make a good hand. Right? And so power struggles happen like that where people are trying to get positions of authority. If I could tell you anything, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, I would say I, that's the last place I would ever try and get. In fact, if you feel like that's where God's leading you, the Bible says that there's an extra layer upon leadership in the church of where he inspects what you say and what you do. So if you enter into that, you enter into it with fear and trembling. No, my words, my life is under a greater microscope of heaven than others. So I got to keep my hands clean, my heart pure, my motives pure, keep my eyes on Jesus and do this in fear and trembling and make sure along the way I'm staying submitted to God's plan. Don't get puffed up in your mind. Amen. Stop being puffed up. Another thing where divisive spirits come in is jealousy over attention. People get jealous over who's getting attention in the church. Say, man, nobody ever pays any attention to me. Well, Number one, you don't say hi to people. <laughs> Let's just face it. You put a hoodie on, keep your head down, run in the church, sit down in the back corner and keep yourself closed. And then complain no one ever talks to you. Well, you look like a closed book. So people are trying to be respectful of you. The Bible says you want friends, be a friendly person. So we have to, we have to work. We've actually counseled people. Sunday is coming up. This Sunday, we challenge you to say hello to three people. And they're like, three people? <laughs> Starting with three here, buddy. Three. See, let's see how this goes for you. What do I say? Not, not, uh, an accepted greeting in America is hello. <laughs> and I make it funny, but genuinely, you have to help people. So don't get in your mind. And the enemy does that. You, you, you don't... You, you, you project everything on what other people do, and you don't stop to think about what you're doing. 
And so then the enemy is able to relegate in your mind a victim mentality. Everything's being done to me. Well, what is being done from you matters. Secondly, if, if the church ever excludes you, if people are excluding you and you're generally an outgoing person, then it's just rude people in the church. Keep in mind, the church is full of people. Some people are rude. The Lord's working on them. We're hoping that they get the breakthrough. Some people announce their rudeness with terms like, I just tell it like it is. And they actually wear it like a badge of honor. I tell it like it is. What you're telling is that you're rude, you say hurtful things and have no filter. We understand. Those people exist in the body of Christ. Does God love them? Come on, does God love them? It was like quiet. People are like, <laughs> now, now you know I'm giving this message. People are like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess he does. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> he loves those people. And that's what he's saying when he says, I have this against you. You don't love me and you don't love each other. He's talking about that person. <laughs> he's talking about the hard to love person, not the easy to love person like me. I mean, everybody loves me. <laughs> he's talking about the difficult ones. Do you have a love in your heart for difficult people? Discipleship, you, the Bible says we're supposed to make disciples. You have to have the love of God to disciple someone. Because it tries your patience, tries your resources, takes your time. You're pouring your life out, and it's a constant back and forth as you try and disciple someone into freedom. But the fruit is worth it when this person gets it and begins to carry it and disciple another person. You have built the kingdom of God and multiplied yourself. Amen. And that's what God is calling you to do. Come on, somebody. So rise to the challenge. Inspect your life. Make sure that the fruit you're producing is good fruit. And allow God always access to correct you. Build you up and rebuke you. In fact, the Bible says the chastisement of the Lord is on those that he loves. So if he doesn't love you, he won't chastise you. Isn't that awesome? How many people feel like you're extra loved? <laughs> I feel extra loved. Trust me. I regularly get, get it from the Lord. Okay. Now, let's imagine jealousy over attention of leadership spending more time with people. So... You have to work on yourself. You have to make sure that you are being friendly to other people. If people are being rude to you, they're being rude, you forgive and you move on. Stop getting beat up and understand that a rude person does not reflect the way Jesus sees you. You got that. But it was in the church. The church is a collection of people. Jesus is Jesus. A rude person in the church does not mean that Jesus is rude to you. Even rude leadership does not mean that Jesus is rude to you. It could mean that the leadership had a bad day. Has anybody in here ever had a bad day? Let's just tell the truth. Come on. One time I had a horrible server. I'm talking she like was short, threw my food down, it slid off the plate right on the table, didn't even care. I was like, mm, this lady ain't getting nothing from me. And the Lord rebuked me and said, you don't know what's going on in her life. Give her $100. And I was like, that ain't right, God. <laughs> and I argued with the Lord the whole meal. It's like the longest, most painful meal ever. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Not even honest, God. Honest scales. The Bible talks about honest scales. An honest scale. This person's not being good, so why would I tip them big? Because that makes it dishonest if I skip it. You know, you're trying to argue with the Lord. 
and I don't win, and I give $100, and I was like, and I, you know, I'm like, the Lord spoke to me <laughs> to give you $100. Breaks down crying. My friend was with me, and this was confirmation. My friend was with me, same thing. We were both paying for our own bill. He told, the Lord told him to pay her $100 tip too. So then we're both like, she's so rude, and then we both say it, so then we do it. And she's like, I literally came to work and needed $200 to pay my rent by the end of the day or I would be evicted. I've been a single mom struggling to get, and I just started this job, and I just haven't had enough time here to get it stored up. And she was crying there, and that's why she was stressed out, and that's why she was rude, and that's why the Lord rebuked me. Stop trying to think everybody's got to be hunky-dory to you for you to give love back. Then how great is your walk with God? Thirdly, maybe the leadership is giving more attention to this person because they actually have more problems than you. Some of you are so blessed, you try and find problems. Seriously, we go into counseling and sometimes people open their mouth, I'm dealing with this. And you just want to be like, get a real problem. That's your problem? My gosh, if that was a problem, I would have quit the ministry 10 years ago. Grow up. And then other people come in and they unload on you and in five minutes you're both like, oh my gosh. How are you breathing right now? Dear God, get, get the anointing oil in case this is contagious. Splash them. Jeez, stay over there. Stay over there. We're going to give. I mean, some people have real problems. And you're sitting there like, I just, I just don't know. Should my hair be blonde or, or brunette? Pick one and win a prize. Should I buy the new car or the used car? Get a real problem. Buy whatever car you want. You'll pay for it in the end. If you buy the new one and regret buying a new one, then next time you'll know, buy the used car. I just don't know. You know, it's like I could literally, I could get the four-bedroom or the three-bedroom plan. Some people are homeless. Pick one and win a prize. So sometimes people get jealous over attention, but you, you miss the fact that sometimes attention is given to a person because they're in a very delicate state at that time, which should fill you with gratitude for leadership willing to pour into them and for the fact that you are at a place in your life where you do not need that right now. Stop judging people and stop expecting everything to be about you. If you're blessed, wake up every day and claim that blessing. Are you with me? Don't try and argue. Don't try and have problems. I mean, I wake up every day and I thank the Lord for the blessing of God in my life. I'm very blessed. And so because I feel so blessed, that's how I can pour into another person. Because the Lord has taken care of me. And if you are currently in a place where you are dealing with a lot, take this to heart. God will see you through. You will not stay where you are at. God will bring you to a victory. And one day you will be at a place of the gratitude and the faithfulness as God has brought you to, and you'll be able to pour into another person that is going through all hell at that time. Are you with me? Everybody in here, we've gone through things. Thank God you don't live your entire life going through things. But if you are going through something, don't relegate and pull away from the church. You stay plugged into the church because God is going to surround you with people that see you through to victory. Amen. You with me?
Don't give way to jealousy. Jealousy gives way to a critical spirit. What you criticize, you will never carry and never have in your life. So if you criticize someone for the blessing of God that they have, because somehow another God exalted them past your level, then you actually stop what God can do in your life through your, the fruit of your own words. Stop criticizing. Start praising and blessing God for the blessings around you and watch God just bring you to another level. You with me? Is that good? Secondly, self-pride for achievement. Divisive spirits come in when pride comes in. Pride is the biggest hidden thing going on in nearly every church. In America especially. Pride all the time. Look at what I've built. First and foremost, leadership can never claim that they built the church. All we can do is be faithful to God every single day and let God use us to build through us. Same with a member. Don't be prideful. I'll give you a personal testimony. Years ago, as the river Tampa, I married the senior pastor's daughter. People gave me the title pastor, but I was not a pastor there. But because I was married to the senior pastor's daughter, people assume that I'm this thing. But I was kind of going through it at that time. I had a lot of power struggles, didn't know my place in the kingdom of God, didn't know what I was supposed to do. So if that's where you're at, rest easy. God will lead you through, and you will know what you're supposed to do. And so I'm frustrated with the Lord. I'm frustrated with people around me. I'm kind of just agitated. So I go forward in the altar call because I'm just desperately seeking the Lord. Like I need something here. What am I even doing right now? And just broken before the Lord. Like humble going forward, just crying, you know, I'm saved, but I'm just, I'm coming forward anyways. And then from the altar call of this great place of humility, the Lord leads us into the second room of the pastoral staff where they're praying for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I went to Bible college. I married the senior pastor's daughter. I mean, I have checked these things off, bro. And then they're praying for this lady, and she does not get filled with the Holy Spirit. At four pastors pray for her. So then one of them says, why don't you pray for her? I went and I laid my hands on her, and it was like lightning came through me. It hit her. She fell backwards. She was praying in tongues, just the power of God all over and the first thought in my mind was, I am so anointed. <laughs> like, what? You go from a place of humility to now you're the puffed up, the greatest pastor that ever walked the earth. Look at me. I float when I walk. The second thought was the Lord said, oh, so you did that? And I was like... <laughs> I felt like just the little puddle of a man, like, I'm crying now, like, I'm an idiot. That's why nothing's working. I'm a total jerk, you know, like, really, before the Lord. And I sat down and I just wept because I'm like, God, burn pride out of me. But you can't, God can't use you if every time he flows through you, you try and take the credit. Then who are you pointing people to? Paul said, I endeavored to know nothing among you except the word of God, the name of Jesus, and exalt him so that your faith did not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Mm, I felt that. The power of God. It's him. He's the one that takes out stony hearts. He's the one that mends the broken heart. He's the one that heals the body. He's the one that fills the spirit. He's the one that makes all things new. I am but a vessel, and he flows through me if I stay yielded to God. But if you don't deal with you, then God can only flow through you in limited capacity because you are tainting the water. 
Because your filth gets in his flow, and then what do you produce? Tainted, misgrowing, weird trees. <laughs> Fruit. It's all ruined because you got involved, and you didn't let God work on you. Get pride out of your life. Say, man, I'm so talented, but they won't give me a position. Maybe it's because God has given them wisdom to hold you back so that God gets the heart right because then when he releases you, purity comes from you and not talent. Talent's one thing. Purity of God is another thing. And you should cherish that purity. Self-pride kills the things of the Lord and the pure spirit behind it. So let God work on you. As churches grow, positions open up. Things happen. Titles are given. Things are created around you. But our endeavor as leadership and me as a person and us as a church should be, may the right people be given the right position at the right time. And if we don't have the right person, then we're not even going to move in it until we are ready to move in it. Because rather hold back and get it right than try and get up before the Lord. You never want to get ahead of God. Because then it's your talents, your resources, and everything you produce to keep you there. But if you follow God, He'll be the one to keep you there. Don't get in a hurry. This life is but a vapor, and then you're in eternity anyways. Amen? Just choose to, choose to love God every single day, and God will do great things for you. Another way division comes in the church is territorial spirits develop in people. Where I have held this position, I've done this, how dare you try and take it from me brother in the first service was telling me after the service, way back, the church he grew up in, they, they, he watched it grow from like 15 people to 100, 150 people. And they used to put the notes of the church were handwritten on a notepad and stapled to the, out front in the lobby. And as it grew, a person came in with a talent to tape it, type it on a computer and print it out so it actually looked legit. And the woman got upset because her position of handwriting the notes of the church was taken from her. And given to the person that had computer skills. First of all, handwriting things is not a talent. <laughs> and I'm not trying to, but seriously. Sometimes you feel a position. And sometimes humble people know, I'm feeling it for the Lord. But I'm not the person that will stay in this position. I'm a placeholder for the kingdom of God. And someone more qualified will come along the way. And you rejoice when that person comes because you know... Man, God is about to accelerate what we're doing here because he's bringing in the people that have the right talents and the right heart. And that's what we pray for here. Amen. Amen. Territorial spirits, we've watched it. We have seen it. Churches be literally taken out because people get in this mindset of not to let anybody else shine. You with me? So they try and throw a blanket over everybody else. The, the strongest church is when every single anointing is free to operate. Where those that are anointed in worship are there, those that are anointed to give the word or give an opportunity, that is the strongest the church can possibly be. Nowhere did you ever see Jesus push people down in order to exalt himself. He washed the feet of his disciples. And Peter was like, don't wash my feet. And Jesus basically responds, unless I wash your feet and unless you be cleaned, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. And then Peter's like, don't stop at my feet. Wash my whole body. And that got awkward real quick. Don't you love scripture? 
Peter, that was weird. <laughs> Listen, territorial spirits, people manifest it. Been doing something, and then they manifest it if someone tries to encroach on their territory. Teams can't grow if you're a territorial person. Things can't multiply if you're territorial. If you're always fighting for control, things will not blossom under your leadership. And uh, imagine this, if we had a potluck Sunday, and we're all eating potluck Sunday, and I go out there and I sit down by my daughter, Emma, and I have a luscious, delicious, buttered, crispy dinner roll. And my daughter reaches over and grabs my dinner, and that's mine. My dinner roll from my plate, not her plate. This is obviously my plate. It's been given to me. It's in front of me, and you take my. And if I, if you saw this happen, and I instantly lose it, you stinking little girl! How dare you take my roll? Ah! Would you feel like? Tell her, Pastor Caleb. You put that daughter in her place, or would you sit there and look at me like he has issues? <laughs> Myrtle, get your bag. We are finding another church. <laughs> Something right with that guy. It's a roll. There's probably more. Even if there's not, get over it. You look like you've had too many rolls anyways. Don't you know what gluten does to you? Yes, it makes me happy. I know what gluten does. <laughs> the... I pick on a lot of dietary issues. Let me just put a disclaimer out there. You eat what you feel you need to eat. I pick on kale. I pick on gluten. I pick on dairy-free. Look, I've done it all myself. You eat as the Lord lays upon your heart to eat. If you are a non-gluten, non-dairy, non-protein, non-whatever, you, you do you, boo. <laughs> and you celebrate that win. The only thing I ask is that you just let me be me. Okay. All right. I love it. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. We all have dietary restrictions. I look at people that can't drink milk, and I just think, God, more for me. give way to territorial spirits. Don't let the enemy manipulate you in that capacity. Ephesians 4, 2 through 7 says to always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Because of why? Because of your love. What Jesus start with? What do we start with? Jesus says, I have this against you. You've lost your love for me and your love for each other. And the love he's talking about is not just the great people that you already like. He's talking about the love of people that sometimes even irritate you. That's what he's talking about. Keep that love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ Jesus. So powerful. Ephesians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Absolutely. Most of my Bibles like highlighted from start to finish. Strong. One of the prison epistles. He wrote this in prison. 
literally wrote about put the armoring of the Lord on, looking at a centurion armored, keeping him in bondage. And he gets a revelation of walking in the spirit with power and authority. I love it. But make every effort to do what? Build the church. Make every effort to create serve teams. Make every effort to make things great. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. Because the enemy, what does Jesus say? A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so the enemy is terrified of the church. He is absolutely terrified of a unified church. Because a unified church, he has nothing to stop it. It just continues to grow. And he has no force on this earth that can shut down the things of God as long as we keep ourselves united. So to keep yourselves united, you keep yourself under the spout where the glory comes out. You allow God to continue to work in you and through you. And you don't get puffed up in your mindset and think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Be a servant. Amen. When's the last time you went out of your way to help someone in the church? When's the last time you poured out of yourself and in that God blessed you? Michael Abar got wrecked the other night. There he is. He, he, did you, for those of you that didn't see it, that was actually like Holy Ghost gymnastics. Him and Lolo twisted up. It was like this beautiful bam. He texted me afterwards. The Lord totally changed it. It was wrecked his life. But how did he get it? He got it by serving that night. He was actually just there to help, and God got a hold of him. Isn't that awesome? When you really let God use you, then you wind up being the one that God pours especially into. Learn to drink on the job, as one person said. <laughs> in the world, we are allowed to be, well, we're not allowed. But in the world, it's regular. It's common occurrence. People complain about their boss. Hate my boss. I, you hear it all the time. He's this way. He's a jerk. He's this thing. I can't stand this co-worker. Can't stand my mother-in-law. People say all these things. In the kingdom of God, you're not supposed to live like that. That things are not surface level. They are deeper. And that God wants to lead you in that. You're not supposed to go around and grumbling, complaining. You're supposed to go around and letting God work in you until you can begin to speak life over things and see what you didn't see before and let God work in you to build you up as a stronger believer. What good is the church if all we do is act like the world? You with me? All right, so last scripture, and then I'm closing. Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is like Pastor Caleb. This is like a pastor message, isn't it? I love you. Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Thank God for Martha's, you know. Mm, mm. It's nothing like, you know, roast turkey and everything just laid out. God bless Martha. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all of the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I've read this many times. I've heard this preached, and everybody knows we are to be a Mary that sits at the feet of Jesus when we get the opportunity and let God work in us. Come on, very important. Be Mary. 
Take the time to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Let God work in you and through you and pour His Spirit out into you. Get in the Word. Devour it. Worship God. Turn on worship music. Sit in your living room floor and cry out loud and just have Holy Ghost moments. But in the church world, when you look at what happens here, we are all sitting here chilling, chillaxing, listening to me. And some of us have kids, but our kids are not in the room right now because someone has decided to serve you. You got that? So you're able to sit here like a Mary. <laughs> Speaking of that, ironic timing there. Child 3500. There we go. We got a winner. <laughs> Illustrated sermons. We worked all week to get that timing right. You're welcome. <laughs> We're allowed to sit, even the worship team. You know, we come in and we just press in and worship. And we had, people are laying on their faces up here. And, you know, they're just loving the presence of the Lord. And the worship team had to get here at the crack of dawn to get themselves prepared and run through the set list and be ready so that they could serve you through worshiping the Lord and bring you into His presence. So they, they labored. They didn't just show up. Imagine if all we ever did was show up and the whole worship team just sat down and nobody played. It would be cool maybe one Sunday. After that, we're like, this is ridiculous, guys. Stand up. Somebody play a harmonica or something. It is getting awkward really fast. You know? But they're serving. Imagine if every time, like last Sunday, I could barely talk in the transition. What if every Sunday all I did was come up here and fall down? Would the church grow? No. People would be like, the first Sunday, wow, the Lord's really on Pastor Caleb. The second Sunday, ah, something's going on there. Third Sunday, we're going down the road because we need the word. Right? So what is the principle here? In the kingdom of God and in the church world, sometimes you're a Mary. Thank God for the opportunities to be a Mary. Don't always be a Martha. Some people are always Marthas, and they never sit at the feet of Jesus. And they're always finding something to do. We have to go around and loop people up all the time. Probably right now as I talk, there's seven people in the parking lot having their own conversation under the guise of serving because they don't know how to sit at the feet of Jesus and just let God saturate them. So you've got to learn how to do that. But on the flip side, if you've been sitting at the feet of Jesus for 33 years and you've not so much as ever folded a bulletin in the church, you need to check yourself. Because you're like a glutton. You're just feasting, feasting, feasting while everybody else serves you. Who are you? The king of kings? Ooh. Is there music? Wow. <laughs> you, you, felt, you felt it was time to go there. Hey, Lola. <laughs> Trying to help a brother out, right? <laughs> Trying to open the hearts to hear what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> As churches grow, let God grow you is the main thing. 
whether you're a part of something big or small, you still just need to grow. You should have that. When I got saved, I knew I want to grow in the things of God. I want to be someone that God trusts. Isn't that precious? I shared this in the tent one time when at camp meeting when that Mex- the guy from Mexico came forward and we blessed him with money and probably thousands of dollars came in then they bought him a car then they bought him a house. Like that's a good, that was a good day to go to church. <laughs> when you get a car and a house, like I told you, honey, I told you this was the church for us. <laughs> when? But as I sat there, I was crying watching just, and I knew, that I knew the moment I saw him, the word that, sprung up in my spirit is faithfulness I just knew by the spirit of God he had been faithful he'd been faithful to pour out and pour out with little regard for his own family he just given 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 for years and that's why they didn't have a home and I I had the revelation God could I be a person that you could trust with your bride think about that men that are married Think about how much you love your wife. And if you're going, if you're a soldier and you're going overseas or you're going away, you go to a friend of yours, you pick a friend that is upright, that would guard and protect your wife, but never cross the boundaries of anything inappropriate. It's a special type of person that you could trust in that capacity. And I think our goal as believers is, God, could I be a person that you can trust with your bride? that I would treat her with honor and respect, that I would pour out and give her all the resources I have are hers, and I would watch over her until you return. Because that is the example that Jesus gave us, that we are to, we're to be ready, we're to guard and protect, we're going to take care of each other until he comes. And so there are times when you know, I need to get at the feet of Jesus, I need to receive. And when that comes, do not ignore it and do not let your temperature decline. You stay on fire for Jesus. At the end of the day, you're the one responsible for your spiritual temperature. You cannot blame me. When you stand before Jesus, you can't say, but God, they needed me in kids' church or they needed me on the worship team or, 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 nope, Jesus is not looking at any of that. You made the decisions. Are you on fire for the Lord? If not, stir yourself back up. Get under the feet of Jesus. Secondly, did you do anything for the body of Christ? Or are you going to get to heaven and the Lord say, Man, I know you, but you didn't bring anybody with you. You didn't help anybody else out. You don't want to live that life. If we're called to make disciples, let's make disciples. And sometimes you got to be willing to be a Martha that will prepare things, that will serve in order for others to be able to be the Mary that sits at the feet of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.